Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. It's a bit of a sneaky tax increase. More and more people will be pushed into higher rate tax brackets. It looks like everywhere is will be putting up their council tax bills. We'll be doing stop with the podcast right now, go and do a meter reading, submit it to your energy company and then come back and listen to the rest of it because that will ensure you avoid any potential issues further down the line. So I think that's something to do ASAP. Now, despite many Brits waking up to snow this morning, tomorrow is the 1st of April, otherwise dubbed as Price Hike Friday, bringing with it plenty of changes set to impact your personal finances. And with the cost of living soaring, the harsh reality of the energy price hike, as well as council tax and other tax changes, will be felt by many. So this week, with experts Jenny Ross and Adam French, we'll be diving into some of the biggest changes, packing in as much advice as we can on how to ease the squeeze. So let's start with the biggest headline then which is of course on energy bills listeners will know we've been covering it very closely on the podcast and from the 1st of april the price cap will increase by a wild 54 percent so who will this affect and what should listeners do because we all know that switching to a better deal has been pretty much off the cards now for months unfortunately it has been hasn't it um Mm. so let's start with who this affects it's if you're on a variable or default tariff with your energy provider that means that you are paying to the price capped amount, which will be going up on the 1st of April. And it is a big, big increase, 54%. Mm-hmm. So that's half again what you're paying is how much you should expect to be paying out for your energy moving forward. If you're on a fixed term deal, then you're not going to be affected by this for the time being. So I know some people may be on two year fixed term deals at the moment, they won't be affected by that. But he, the majority of us paying for energy at the moment, we're on variable tariffs. And that means that prices are going up on the 1st of April, unfortunately. If you're on a prepayment meter, they're also going up as well and actually be paying a little bit more for your energy as well, which I have to say is pretty scandalous since prepayment meters are given to people who have historic issues with paying their energy bills. Now, this increase is going to be really difficult for a lot of households, especially if you're in lower income brackets, because there's no escaping or avoiding energy bills. In fact, the standing charge, the amount you pay just to be connected to the energy network is going up and it does vary regionally. Um, but in some cases that is, it could be doubling as well. So you could be looking at sort of a 70 pence per day charge on, on your energy or even higher than that, just for being connected before you even get to using any energy as well. So this is going to mm. be really, really tricky. We've spoken a lot in the past about the support available, but it's worth going through that again. Warm homes discount is worth applying for with your energy company. 
There will be a council tax rebate. There will be money off in October as well from government. But ultimately, if you are really struggling to make ends meet, it's worthwhile doing two things. First and foremost, speaking to your energy provider. They can set up payment plans. They have their own hardship funds. They can point you to the support that is available. So that should be your first board of call. And then your local authority. So one thing we heard in the spring statement is that there's going to be a household support fund. So money being made available to local authorities to support people. So again, if you are struggling, speak to them as well. And just a quick reminder, do go back and listen to our recent episode on the energy crisis. It's from a few weeks ago. And there we have a huge discussion on how to deal with the rise. Now, next, there is going to be a bundle of tax changes. And and let's begin here with council tax. The good news is that you could be getting a £150 council tax rebate. But the not so good news, as you've probably seen in a recent letter from your council, is the annual increase to your bill may well wipe out that saving. Adam, firstly, how does the rebate work? It's a give with one hand, take with the other, isn't it? Uh, The rebate was £150, which will go back to residents if you're in council tax bans A to D. That money should be paid to you in April. Now, the important thing here is to make that as easy as possible. You want to be paying your council tax via direct debit. And that means whichever account you pay your council tax from, this rebate will go back into it. If you don't pay by direct debit, it's almost certainly too late to set it up by now, but it is worth checking with your council. Um, But you'll have to apply for that manually with your council and they'll have their own process of doing that. So do have a look at that to make sure you don't miss out on this free cash. Would Would it be sent via check or something? Potentially, it could be check. Um, it could be that you have to go down to the local council office and collect something. Um, it could be that you just have to fill out a, a form with some financial bank account details, for example, mm-hmm. to get it sent. It could be a manner of different ways. It's kind of up to the councils how they want right. to, to manage that. Now, importantly, it this applies if you're in band A to D, if you're paying council tax. But if you're paying a reduced amount of council tax, if you don't pay council tax because you get local council tax support, if you're exempt, if you get a single person discount, or even if you're behind on your council tax payments, you are still eligible for this payment. So it is worth checking up with your local authority if any of that applies to you to make sure you are going to get that payment. Where you won't qualify is if you are in a sec- if your home is a second home or it's empty, then you won't qualify mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and if you're registered for council tax as the landlord of a house of multiple occupation, you probably qualify for that. But if you're a tenant in a HMO, um, then it could be the case that the council has some other funding available to you. So it is worth checking on that as well if you pay the utility bills. So let's look a bit closer into how council tax bills are rising across the country, which areas are being stung the most and what the money's being spent on. Here's which journalist Danielle Richardson with the story. Having looked at all of the council tax rates. So far, I've looked at England, Wales and Northern Ireland. Scotland hasn't uh, released its rates just yet. And it looks like everywhere is will be putting up their council tax bills for the new tax year. Some by more than others, though, not everyone is taking advantage of the uh, council tax kind of cap that applies in England, which is 1.99% and then an additional 1% social care precept. If they've got people who need social care, then they'll qualify for a bit like they can put their rates up more because they need to spend that money. We, we tend to look at uh, band D um, for council tax as a comparison, because that's like the midpoint between um, all of them. Uh, so band D council tax bills in England uh, are going to increase by an average of 3.5 percent. That's according to government figures. Uh, so that's up 67 pounds. Um, from last year. 
but within that there's there's quite a lot of difference so uh the the place in england that i found um with band d council tax figures um in sandwell they're going to be increasing by 5.16 percent so that's that's the highest that i found in the country and that's pretty hefty um and then by comparison uh Bridge End in Wales, um, bandy bills are actually going to increase by just 0.72%. So residents there won't see such a massive increase to their bills. Now, while we're on council tax, there's some really important advice here on making sure you're not paying more than you need to, whether that's because you're missing out on discounts or you're in the wrong band. Jenny, firstly, can you talk us through why hundreds of thousands of households are in the wrong band and the steps they can take to check if they are? Yeah, first of all, um, to to understand how so many properties ended up in, in the wrong band, it's it's worth going back 30 years or so to when council tax was originally introduced. Um, what happened was every property was placed into a tax band, starting at band A, you'll have the lowest bills if you are in band A. Um, and the band is based on your property's value in 1991, if you live in England or Scotland, or 2003, if you live in Wales. And yes, as I said, this band determines how much council tax you pay every year. Just a quick note for Northern Ireland residents, uh, Northern Ireland has its own rates system, which is based on your property's value in 2005. So um, for the purposes of you know, figuring out if you're in the wrong band, we're talking exclusively here about Wales, England and Scotland. Jenny, just to stop you there, what does that mean for new builds? Good question, Lucia. If your property was built after 1991, the Valuation Office Agency will have estimated its value in 1991 by comparing its size and location to, to other properties nearby. The trouble is with all of this is that the original banding exercise was basically done in a bit of a hurry and botched. Um, so, you know, you had a lot of properties that were banded based on visual inspections by estate agents driving up and down the road. So if a neighbouring house, for example, had something um, that would have boosted its value, like an extension or a conservatory that can be seen from the road, it would still have been placed into the same band as yours. So if your property was put into the wrong band many, many years ago, and no one has ever challenged that banding, you may be paying the wrong amount of council tax and very possibly too much. Um, This is more likely in England and Scotland um, because Welsh properties were revalued more recently in in 2003. But it it is still a possibility. What's even more important to know about here as well is that many council tax will backdate refunds. So potentially you could be sitting on a goldmine of several decades of overpaid council tax. So of course the question now is, well, how do you figure out if you might have been in the wrong band? The best way to increase your chances of a successful appeal is to work out if your home was originally valued correctly. But you've also got to think about potential changes to the property since that original valuation, as well as any changes to the surrounding area that might affect its value. A really good starting point is to check what your neighbours are paying. If their home is in a lower band, that may indicate that yours is in the wrong one. You can search your address on gov.uk forward slash council slash tax slash bands. In terms of checking your home's value, take a look at Nationwide's house price calculator to see uh, what it would have been worth in 1991 or uh, if you live in Wales in 2003. Then check what band your home should be in based on that value and see if it's in the right one. 
if your band currently is higher, then think about making an appeal. How you do that is to is to contact the Valuation Office Agency in England and Wales or the Scottish Assessors Association to just discuss why you think you're in the wrong band. And if you go to their website, you'll find out all of the sort of contact details and the evidence they might need to see for you to launch um, a, a formal challenge. Now, one concern that you may have, um, which is a perfectly valid one, is well, what happens if I challenge my band and it turns out it's actually in a lower band than it should be? That is a risk. Your bill could go up if you are in too low a band, but I should stress the risk is very small. Um, so we looked at this uh, for figures in 2018 to 19. There were nearly 40,000 appeal cases resolved by the Valuation Office Agency. Of those, just 30 people saw their bills rise and nearly a third saw their band and their bill uh, drop. So that's th- those figures are really promising. And in terms of discounts, Adam's already mentioned some of these. Um, Can you go into a little more detail on what's out there to help with your council tax bill? Yeah, first of all, if you live alone, you're entitled to a 25% discount. So do make sure your bill reflects that. The same discount can apply Mm. if you are a full-time student or a full-time carer, or if you live with someone who is classed as having a severe mental impairment. Another reason you might qualify for a reduced bill is if you've had um, certain adaptations made to your home to accommodate a disability. What happens in that situation is that you might be eligible for a reduction in your council tax that is equivalent to moving one uh, one band lower, um, which obviously means a lower bill. Uh, A couple of years ago, we actually sent a freedom of information request to councils in England to find out how many households are claiming that disabled band reduction. It turns out really not very many compared to how many households will have made an adaptation to accommodate a disability. At the time, we estimated that around one and a half million households in England alone are missing out on this valuable discount. So do uh, do look into that if you think you might be eligible. Um, Most councils require you to apply for every year as well. So if you've claimed it in the past, um, make sure that you you are still benefiting from that. Um, And as is the case with... uh, with a successful council tax band appeal, um, many councils will backdate your claim to the year you became eligible. So you could get you know, a nice, um, sizable refund the first time you apply if you've been missing out in previous years. And then finally, in, in some circumstances, you might actually be exempt from council tax altogether. Um, but some of these exemptions aren't that well known. Um, that can include things like if you leave your home empty uh, to go into long term care or into hospital. The, the main message here, um, obviously, that there are lots of different scenarios in which you might be entitled to a lower bill. But really, if you're un- unsure about any of this, it does not hurt to approach your local council um, just to double check you are benefiting from all of the, the reductions you possibly can. And staying with tax, we'll also be seeing the 1.25 percentage point rise to national insurance. But as the Chancellor Rishi Sunak revealed in the spring statement last week, there will also be an increase to the amount you can earn before you start paying national insurance. So, Jenny, does this mean that for many, you'll actually get an effective tax cut here? It does indeed. Yeah, there's a little bit of a little bit of sun amid all of the clouds mm. here. Um, the government has said that the new threshold will mean 70% of workers uh, will end up paying less 
a national insurance than last year, with the average employee saving £330. And that's because as of July, you won't start paying national insurance until you earn more than £12,570. That's £3,000 more than the current threshold. The rate of national insurance you're charged will still be going up, as as you say, Lucia. Um, That's part of the government's plans to increase funding for the NHS and for social care. But um, the fact that the threshold has gone up by such a large amount, that will offset that hike for many people. Now, the the slightly fiddly bit here is uh, the fact that this new threshold um, doesn't kick in until July. And that means that you will see more national insurance coming out of your paycheck for the next three months. Um, But over the course of the year, um, in many cases, people will be paying less. If you want to get a clearer picture of how much exactly you can expect to pay over the course of the year, um, we've updated all the figures in our national insurance calculator. So you can put in your uh, put in your pay and and figure it all out. Just go to which.co.uk forward slash national insurance. And we can pop that link into the description of this week's episode. Now, in less positive news, uh, if we look at the longer picture, another way our income is going to be squeezed is by what the press is calling the stealth tax raid. As the Chancellor announced last year, a bunch of tax-free allowances will be frozen until 2026. First, let's hear Laura Souter from AJ Bell on how this is going to hit your money. So I think if we look over the longer term, that freezing of the tax allowances is going to be what affects people the most. And so um, it's a bit of a sneaky tax increase. Um, It's not the government explicitly coming out and saying we're going to increase income tax rates, but the effect of your wages gradually rising and the tax thresholds at which you pay tax um, not changing with that means that more and more people will be pushed into higher rate tax brackets. So we crunch some numbers. And if you look over the next five years, someone who's on £25,000 now will pay about £2,000 more in tax as a result of those allowances not increasing. And then someone who's earning £50,000 now will pay almost £7,000 more in tax over that five year period. So that's a big chunk of money over a longer period, but it's not necessarily one where people will notice that their pay packet is immediately fallen from Friday, for example. It's more of a kind of longer term drag on your money. So let's look a bit closer now at how these tax changes will be affecting different regions across the country. For some insight into this, we've been speaking to Adam Hawksby from the think tank Onward. So Onward did a report about a year ago called Leveling Up the Tax System, which looked at the regional progressiveness of taxes and to what degree richer regions pay more and poorer regions pay less. And we recommended a series of changes, uh, some of which are reflected in the spring statement. So on fuel duty, for example, our work showed that people in Yorkshire and the Humber pay twice as much as a share of their income than people in London on fuel duty, partly because um, they drive more and partly because they have lower incomes overall. So that 5p cut in fuel duty will be regionally progressive and will support people in the Midlands and the North more. When it comes to payroll taxes like national insurance and income tax, on national insurance, it's already a regionally progressive tax. And so raising the threshold will benefit those poorer regions more, particularly um, in the North. On income tax, that change that's coming in in 2024, the 1p cut in the basic rate from 20p to 19p, um, again, given that income tax is a regionally progressive 
tax, richer regions pay more. That will benefit poorer regions by, by cutting that rate. They'll have more that goes into their pocket. But we found it would have been more progressive as a change. It would have benefited the Midlands and the North more um, if the personal allowance had been increased as opposed to a cut in the basic rate. So clearly some political choices that are being made there. Now, on a more positive note for some, the national living wage will be seeing an increase of 6.6% from April. Now, this seems like a substantial rise compared to the rise of just 3.1% for certain benefits, but it will still be less than what's known as the real living wage. Adam, is it enough to ease the squeeze for low paid workers? It's better than nothing, um, certainly, but the rate of inflation at the moment means that uh, it's going to be really, really difficult regardless. Now, let's look at the difference between these real living wage and, and national living wage. Actually, for those who, who remember, the real living wage used to be called the national living wage when we had the minimum wage from government, but then they sort of stole the name and bumped it up again in a very shrewd um, political move. Some good marketing there. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? Let someone else build the brand for you. <laughs> um, but let's look at the difference between them. Um, so the minimum wage um, from the 1st of April will be £9.50 per hour if you're 23 and over, um, which is only applicable if you're over the age of 23. And if you're age 21 to 23, that minimum wage is £8.36. And actually, if you're a teenager, you're looking at £4.81 if you're under 18 is the minimum wage, which is not a great deal of money. Now, we compare that to the real living wage, which is set at £9.90 across the UK. Mm. And in London, it's £11.05. It's a, it's a big, big difference when you think about all the hours you work over the course mm. of a year. It's a big gap still in terms of where real living wage and the Real Living Wage Foundation believe salaries should be to afford you can effectively afford the essentials uh, and ensure you're getting good quality of life out of work and where that national living wage and minimum wage levels are set at the moment. So there's still some way to go. And I have to say, personally, I've always felt it's so important that good employers are at least matching that. Uh, And we were talking previously before recording this podcast about Sainsbury's offering that potentially to their their staff, for example. And, you know, it's so important that work pays for people wherever you're at, especially looking at the current pressures on household finances at the moment. Um, So it's really positive that this is something that the more and more businesses are are getting on board with. And because at the moment, national living wage and real living wage, there is still a substantial gap between the two. And moving on to pensions, many pensioners are concerned that they'll be worse off this year because the state pension is only going up by 3.1%. Jenny, if the triple lock pension guarantee hadn't been broken by the government last year, this would have been much higher, wouldn't it? That's right. It would have gone up by around 8%, a a record increase. Mm. Um, And that is because earnings growth is one of the three components of the triple lock, um, along with uh, inflation or 2.5%. And earnings growth had been unusually high uh, because of the impact of the pandemic. But because of that unusually high figure and the cost that would have been involved in honouring that increase, the government took the decision to disregard um, the earnings component for 2022-23, meaning that instead the state pension is pegged to the rate of inflation as it stood at September, crucially, which was 3.1%. Now, that was easier to stomach back when the announcement was made um, several months ago. 
Inflation now is double what it was in September. It's 6.2%, meaning that pensioners are considerably worse off in real terms, even once you factored in this um, this slight boost uh, to payments as of April. So it's, it's a really difficult one. The government hasn't signalled any um, intention to change the amount that the state pension is going up by. So unfortunately, there's there's not much that can be done if you are a state pensioner who is heavy, heavily reliable on the income from the state pension. Um, the main thing to stress is um, that there is an extra benefit called pension credit for uh, for certain pensioners on a low income. So do do double check um, your, your eligibility eligibility for that, um, because as is the case with many benefits, um, not everyone who is entitled to it is claiming it. So while we might be up against the so-called price hike Friday, the important question then is, what can we do to lessen the blow? Adam, Jenny, we published a story on witch.co.uk on 11 ways to improve your finances with a money makeover, which we'll put a link to in the description of this week's episode. What are some of your best tips to do just that? Check your finances and see where you can make savings. My most important tip right now isn't actually in that story. And it's something you have to do right now, like mm-hmm. today or tomorrow. So we're talking on the 31st today, tomorrow's the 1st of April. Anytime you can do as close to the 1st of April as possible is submit a meter reading. Um, so you capture your usage before the price cap goes up. Um, and if you've got a smart meter, just take a picture of your latest meter reading just so you've got that. So what are you doing? Stop with the podcast right now. Go and do a meter <laughs> reading, submit it to your energy company and then come back and listen to the rest of it because that will ensure you avoid any potential issues further down the line. So I think that's something to do ASAP. What's the thinking behind doing that then? Well, you'll be submitting your usage uh, against the existing energy unit rates as opposed to what they're going up to on the 1st of April. Um, right. So it just means that you'll you'll be submitting your energy actual usage um, before it before it goes up. It's a really good tip, Adam. You might just need to be a little bit patient and persistent on this. I've just seen reports that energy websites are crashing mm. amid um, the rush to submit meter readings. Oh, my word. That's a very good point. And, and in that place, you've got, we've all got smartphones now for the most part. Take a picture just so you, you've got a time and date when you've taken it. If, if you end up submitting tomorrow, it's not the end of the world. Even if you do it over the weekend, for example, it's just getting it nice and early to stop any sort of misreadings, overestimates, for example. Um, so try and get it in as quickly as you can. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't panic about it either. But it is very sensible to take a meter reading today. My suggestion is around making sure you're not overpaying on any outstanding debt. Um, so if you have existing uh, debt on a credit card that you're that you're trying to pay down um, and you're paying interest on that, really think about shifting that debt to a 0% balance transfer card, um, which gives you a fixed period to repay the balance without paying a penny in interest. There are various things you need to bear in mind that you do need to meet the minimum repayments to avoid it reverting to the full um, uh, the full APR. Um, but that could be a really savvy way um, to to avoid paying unnecessary interest. You sometimes have to pay an upfront um, an upfront fee, but it's very likely to be a lot less than um, than what you're paying on your existing card because APR charges can be you know to, up towards twenty percent. Similarly, if you're being charged for going into your overdraft on a regular basis, think about whether you're getting. Um, the best rates that you could do on that. Certain banks offer an interest-free up overdraft up to a certain limit, um, such as First Direct offers up to £250 interest-free um, and Nationwide offers a free overdraft 
a free authorised overdraft for up to a year with its Flex Direct account. And then I'm just going to segue on while we're in, while we're on the subject of banking generally. Think about whether you can get a little something for nothing um, by taking the very simple step of switching your bank account. These bonuses um, that banks offer for to tempt you in to drum up your business. The number available has increased in the past few months. In some cases, you could get up to £150 upfront just by taking your business to a new bank. Um, so first direct cust- new customers can get £150 for switching. Um, NatWest customers can get £150 for switching. Um, Virgin Money new customers can get £100 experience day voucher. Bear in mind that in most cases, you will need to use the official current account switching service, which involves closing your old current account. But the process is very smooth. It should take no longer than seven working days. And actually, in many cases, there are loads more benefits beside the upfront bonus. You might benefit from interest on your credit balances, cash back on purchases. So do take a look and see what's out there, especially if you've been with the same bank for a very, very long time without even questioning it. I haven't switched for over a year now, so I do need to do that. Thanks for, for reminding me, Jenny. <laughs> this weekend, I'm going to be on it. It's a good thing to do. My wife and I switched our... Um our joint account uh using that and i have to say you always have Mm. a degree of um anxiety about it is it gonna happen okay really smooth Mm. such an easy process and you get a little kickback financial reward for doing so as well it's great it's definitely worth doing absolutely whilst we're on topic of of bank accounts um my my other top tip at the moment is to unfortunately familiarize yourself with your bank statement where are the regular payments going out from what direct debits have you got going out standing orders regular payments going out memberships whatever it is you've got do you need them um are you getting value from them are they delivering value to you worth reviewing at this point in time you know is that gym membership that you've only been to once in the last three months worth it no 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 i should probably cancel that one um so it is worth looking at all of those things as things stand as we get towards really from from friday from the first of april is when costs do begin to go up particularly those energy bills so a very sensible time to familiarize yourself with your outgoings and maybe uh, give them a bit more scrutiny than you would do normally. And of course, the old, we talked about switching bank accounts, but switching generally, you know, that's always been a good idea, but I guess never more so than than now. And while it might not be an option um, or something that will necessarily save you in the energy space at the moment, there are many other products where you could benefit by quite a lot. Lucia, you've switched, you're switching broadband provider, right? Yeah, I should say proudly that um, I switched after um, our recent broadband episode. Do go back and have a listen, of course. Um, I've got my router on my table and tomorrow is the official switch day. Woo-hoo! I have to say, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's exciting <laughs> stuff. I have to say, I'm not saving a huge amount per month, but my old provider wouldn't match the cheapest deal mm-hmm. I found elsewhere. So I just thought out of principle, I had to do hey. it. So. Lots of little savings add up as well. Absolutely. It's a good, it's a good step. I know we, we published some research as well around haggling. So if you're really happy with who you're with, um, but you want to pay less, we have known people ring up when you get to end your contract and, and haggle that down as well. So you don't always have to switch. You can say, I want to stay with you, but other people are doing it cheaper and I'll switch away. So it sounds like you did exactly the right thing there, Lucia. Yeah, good point, Adam. You don't necessarily even need to change provider. Um, we, we found that in uh, for, for mobile deals, um, customers who haggled saved an average of £35 a year on their contract, mm. which, is, which is pretty decent. All adds up. It all adds up and makes a difference. It's such a good thing to do. 
Thank you so much to Adam and Jenny for coming on the show today. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. Before you head off, please do hit follow and subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. This episode of the Witch Money podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Charlotte Gifford. Mm-hmm.